ideas about where we could start, one of which was like wondering about your way that you think of yourself as an artist, like in terms of um, categorization or if you even care about that. Like I was thinking about mm, just to, well, for our listeners, we met, um, we met during your solo exhibition at Green Exhibition. What, mm-hmm. what what year was that? Do you know? 2011, maybe? It was it was in the fall of 2013. So oh, close. Okay. That's yeah. when I, I think I met Rob in 2011. And then I was just back in LA and met you there. Um, but I feel like he thought we would like each other. I think maybe. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, he was right. but um, Yeah, he was. <laughs> I feel like maybe because we're both women who are making video, but maybe also because he liked us both or something. But um, yeah, I was thinking about, well, so I wouldn't, it feels like video maybe for you has also kind of like petered out maybe, although Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I was thinking, I think of you as like photo sculpture or sculpt, I don't know. I, I was just wondering, how you do you care about labeling your work in that way or would you just say you're an artist I mean I usually just say that I'm an artist I my like in my education you know I did I went to VCU and I was in the sculpture department which was really sort of anything goes and um you know I did when I was in undergrad I did like a lot of performances and video work um And then, and I weirdly also had like a minor in painting, which was kind of funny, but I I made a lot of drawings when I was in college also. I didn't know any of that actually, which is really interesting. Um, Maybe we should linger there for a minute. What were your, what were your performances like? Like, were you in them? Yeah, I was in them. It was, it was very like, uh, you know, it was the late 90s and they were very sort of like you know me on a I was like in this like like this blue slip and I was on a bed and I was licking up all this milk you know it was like very much where I was like I was actually like taking milk with my mouth from like one bowl and like spitting it into the other you know it was so much of that time that was really like in my mind that kind of Janine Antoni you know performative feminine gesture or something that's awesome though I like picturing I mean it does sound like quintessentially 90s yeah (laughs) like but in a cool way like I like that I don't know if this is actually the 90s but like wearing a slip is like a nice touch (laughs) like yeah fashion styling of it yeah I was like always in my underwear when I would do them I did one where I was like, I was through this grapefruit at a wall until it broke open, you know, um, it was, it was so much of that, but it, and then I, and then I kind of realized that I didn't really like being in it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was always, I think in the, in like the threat, like I, and so you know, I guess for people who are listening, like my work has taken like a lot of different forms and it's like even kind of evolving into another phase right now. But I think that um, the the one thing that has sort of 
been a thread that's gone through his like bodies and like body doubling and that kind of thing. Like, like these sort of objects or other bodies as like stand-ins for my own and things like that. Yeah. Totally. As you were saying that, I was thinking like, um, like it, it makes a lot of sense that it didn't feel right to use your own body or like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel right to me somehow. And then feels like you were like looking at other women or young girls or something, but like, actually I feel like now your work is more about the, the female body in the imagination or something more than mm-hmm. reality. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really, I, I haven't thought about it in exactly those terms, but I really like that. Um, like yeah. the female body and imagination it's, I have been, cause yeah. So then after, after undergrad, I was making these like um, sort of tableau photographs of like young women engaged in like these different sort of actions where they were always really like absorbed in whatever they were doing. And it was always these kind of, you know, uh, things that could be sort of every day, but were also like a little bit absurd. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but they were always in a real place and, you know, that was, that was important to me, like the reality of that. And I think also at that time, like this, I wanted sort of like a, a distance from it, from the subject matter. And like, you know, using a camera with a lens, like you get this, it's sort of like, um, mediates it a little bit. Yeah, that makes sense. I was just like, revisiting some of your work to get prepared. And I was like, um, looking at that show at Green Exhibition. Was it called You Talking to Me? You Talking to Me. Oh, yeah. Are You Talking to Me? Yeah. Yeah. And you did a couple videos where, like, young girls were kind of, like, talking about, like, these super masculine figures or, like, taking on these masculine figures. Like, in that one, there's a young girl who's doing the Robert De Niro scene from Taxi Driver, which, and what you were saying about, like, um, that it's important that it's real. Like it's to put someone who's not an actor, like, and they're in like a suburban home, like that's not a set. Like it really like punctures the like artifice of it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a way now I feel like you're doing the opposite almost. You're like forefronting the artifice of things or 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 conflating the artifice with the real or like mixing, like I feel like there's a lot of like mixing of like fake parts or something or even the absence of the body. Yeah, I think that that's true. Yeah, like the absence of the body and then like things that are there to um, like be more suggestive of it rather than having like the actual body there. Yeah. yeah, I think I've kind of I've kind of moved into that. I think I just um wanted to make things that I started feeling like I really needed to like connect more like physically with the work. Mm-hmm. And so I um yeah, the everything that I've been doing has like a it's less digital, you know, yeah, now. Absolutely. It's super yeah. Like it's all about like material reality in some way, I feel, or like, I don't know, you said the word absurd too. I feel like there's a lot of 
absurd and kind of oblique political feelings or something. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's something that's always been in my work, like, especially like with the, um, the work that I made all those, like those uh uh-huh photographs of the hands with the objects on the back, on the beige background. Mm -hmm. Um, like those to me were a, a lot about tactility, but then the object itself was like, you couldn't touch it. You know, like you could, you could like sense the tactility in the image, but it wasn't, um, you know, it was just an image of that rather yeah. than it being like the actual thing. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like I've definitely, am like moving more towards this space of like actually, you know, having more materials in my work, which is, they've always sort of been there, but they've been like through the lens. And so like, I'm kind of like bringing them out of that um, space. Yeah, totally. That's interesting in terms of a trajectory, like in the uh uh-huh photos, there's often like literally like a hand holding a prop or something poking into the frame. But then, yeah, now it's like kind of, yeah released from the frame or coming into physical space or something even if it is like um I feel like I want to try to come from the beginning to the end but whatever we're here anyway yeah <laughs> but so I'm so non-linear it's really no, hard for me <laughs> but like there's a piece where it's a photo of a swimsuit in underwater that is um those swimsuits you might have seen on your Instagram or something it says directed by Quentin Tarantino and it's printed on a piece of silk that is kind of like undulating or is that like (laughs) I just pictured undulating but it's actually not moving but (laughs) right right you contend with that in a way that's not like just a framed print or something like there's sexuality to it we could say (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like I want it to have like the for the image to also have like a material kind of presence, I guess. So that's why I printed that one on silk. I actually um well I, I can show it to you after, but I have like a giant print of it now on oh, silk. Cool. What which is pretty do you feel cool. like that's the size it should be, or do you feel like there should be multiple versions of it? Oh, I didn't think about multiple versions. I sadly, actually, the film that I that I shot this on, um, there was this one box when I moved back to LA that got lost, and it was like the last box of things that I packed, and that film was in it. That sucks. Yeah, so I have like the scan of this one, but I don't think I have any of the other ones. Oh, uh, oh there was like other. That would be interesting in terms of like relating to film, and I don't know. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, like, if it was, like, a cereal or something? Yeah, I don't know, it just could be, like, I don't know, it makes me think of the idea of, like, editing and making a film and cutting room. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, totally. That makes a lot of sense. But yeah, this is the only, it's the only one that I have left. But yeah, it's big now. And I like, I like it bigger. It's more, like, immersive, you know. That's a good word for it because it is like it's submerged. It's submerged, yeah. yeah. Which is it kind of distorts the image a little bit too. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I think that's something else that's been like really important to me lately, like moving away from the fidelity of images. Like when I, when I am working with um, things that are still image based, like um, to, to distort it or to like remove it mm. a little bit from it, or if it's like a low quality image or, um, you know, like a screen, I've been working with screenshots a lot too, yeah. you know, things that are kind of like not, I mean, when I, when I first started making photographs, the fidelity was like wildly important to me. And I mean, I think that was also like a very different time yeah. in, in the history of that medium. So it's like, yeah. um, I'm just sort of like also responding, I think, to those changes. Totally. Which that's a good, and in a good and interesting point. Like, I feel like what I know of your early work is very like professional looking and like, <laughs> And was yeah. it like all these portraits and photos, like where they, they were shot on like film, actual mm -hmm. film and stuff. And yeah, and your videos had like a high quality feeling, high resolution thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like now we have all these choices of what we want to use. Like it's almost like, um, like different brushes or whatever, like, colors that you can choose to use and even like going back to film is like an interesting decision or you know yeah yeah definitely but um yeah, it's screenshot oh sorry no but, no go ahead well just like a screenshot is definitely the such a part of our lexicon and our like aesthetic our aesthetic landscape or something yeah yeah, totally. And I mean, I think also I've been feeling, you know, it's with when I first started making these things, you know, digital photography, I mean, I was shooting them on film and then scanning the film, but like printing the, and printing them digitally and all of that stuff was very new. And um, and I think it allowed me actually to like enter photography in a way that the darkroom wouldn't have. I don't. um I never was, I, I like being in the dark room, but I don't, I mean, I know people who like love it and yeah. I'm, and, and, and that's awesome. But I, I just, I don't have that same uh, relationship with it. So I think that like being able to like, cause I would always also, I would never shoot negatives. I would always shoot um, like transparency. Mm -hmm. um, and so there was something about that too. I think that was like really important to me and like that I could always kind of see uh, the different the different steps of it along the way. But anyway, um, the you know now we have like these cameras that are in our phones that are so high powered, and it and it and so it um, it's almost like the accessibility of it is. Um, I mean, I like the accessibility of it. I think it's it's an interesting thing, but I. Um, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out what I'm actually trying to say about this, but, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I just, I feel like, the, you know, I, there's just, like I said before, like there's such a, there's been such a shift in the, in the medium that it's just a strange thing to kind of, to navigate that, like as you're working, you know? I mean, is it partly that thing that like, I mean, I think it was, for a long time you know anyone could take photos but now like literally everyone is a photographer yeah. like 24 7 yeah yeah and it's like 
it makes it a lot that's which I think is partly why I stopped making video too like there's so much video out there like and it has to be or it doesn't have to be but there's so much kind of like bite-sized video out there Mm -hmm. that is really good or at least really captivating and I was always very like lo-fi so like to compete with that is like really raises the bar on things (laughs) and I just don't want to compete with that kind of also (laughs) yeah yeah totally that makes a lot of sense I think too you know with especially like in this particular year I've been spending you know just so much time on a screen that it feels really good that when I'm making things that it's not on a screen for the most part yeah yeah, that's a really good point I'm like so yeah like so the opposite like I mean so same and like I don't want (laughs) to make anything screen-based like I want to like revel in like texture and like touch and things totally I feel that way very much right now yeah wait so before we talk about other things just since we're already here like do you want to talk like the screenshot thing made me think about you were like crowdsourcing like interior of refrigerator images from which maybe are the screenshots you're thinking about or or Those are some of the screenshots that I'm thinking about. That's this project that I've been just kind of working on in the background because it takes, it's taking a long time to accumulate them. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like in the beginning of the year, I started um, gathering screenshots of like refrigerator point of view shots of women or like, you know, even I have one of Mrs. Doubtfire. So it can, it's, you know, a, (laughs) a broad definition. Yeah, um right. and I feel like uh, I sent one of those or maybe you got multiple of those that feels like a quintessential like interior of refrigerator movie yeah definitely definitely that one was I love that that one's in there it's it's ridiculous but um I was just thinking because we went to this prop house here and they were having a sale of stuff I guess that they were going to get rid of and they had all these refrigerators with like the backs cut out and I was oh like, <laughs> it was so strange to see those objects. And I started thinking about them. And then I started, I had, I took a screenshot of, um, from Party of Five when I was watching that, like a few years ago and, um, of Nev Campbell opening a freezer. And I, and then I started thinking about that. And then I saw those refrigerators and I was like, I want to like look for more of these. So I have been just accumulating those and I'm not really sure what I want to do with them yet. Um, I've also gotten some like really cool shots of um, other like point of view shots of women that are different, like in uh, Hairspray, the John Waters Hairspray, their first one, not the the new one. Um, When Ricky Lake's character, she's like, in prison and they're like broadcasting her from from jail and she starts like making out with the tv um because like her boyfriend is on the other side of the tv and there's this great like shot of her framed in the tv like licking this the glass and i don't know if i'm from the inside of the television that sounds like a cool shot (laughs) it's so great it's so great and so that one and then this other shot from don't tell mom the babysitter's dead 
got me really thinking about maybe like expanding the criteria to just like anything of like where where the camera is like in the position of some sort of object and and the woman is like looking into it that's a cool idea that this is not this wouldn't fit in your thing but I feel like they really love to use the inside of like math and things on um shit breaking bad they love that <laughs> the inside of meth like yeah like the like just, through like, a little pile <laughs> like I, I feel like they were always positioning the camera like you're in a pile of money or you're in a big vat oh. of math or something or like <laughs> looking, looking up from the point of view of an object mm -hmm. um but it's kind of corny but it worked <laughs> oh yeah I mean that's the thing the the fridge shot is like a pretty cheesy shot. Like it's not, it's used a lot in advertising I've noticed. Yeah. Um, and it was used a lot like in the 80s. Yeah, it's very 80s. Yeah. Which I um, think you're super keyed into like very specific aesthetics of the 80s and 90s was something I was thinking about too. And like comedy, like aesthetic maybe, or like, like not high culture but like pop culture and in a way that seems to really excite you and you have a real like lexiconical knowledge of different things and I thought that project is interesting and I like that you are so specific about it but you don't know why yet like I think that feels like something very important to your work like this super hyper specificity but like mm -hmm. a kind of but like also a very, an uncertainty as well or something. Well, yeah, that's, I, I love that you said that actually. I feel like I do really love like these specific cultural reference points. Like that's something that is like kind of drives me. Like my interest in like pop culture, like in the video that you were talking about, are you talking to me? Like I was really wanting to draw from these sort of, um, like like hypermasculine um kind of known commodities of pop culture mm -hmm. um and but i also really even though my work can be really specific i also like the exploration of it is really important to me yeah uh like that kind of that part of it like it um so i'll like collect things for a long time or like i spend a long time with things like yeah. thinking about them and rolling them over and stuff. Which is cool. I like that you like are following this intuition without knowing where it's going yet. Like that is very cool and interesting. Thanks. Yeah. I think it's like, I've always felt like, I've always felt like the intuition in my work was strong, even though it's not something that maybe like, is really tangible in the final product if that makes sense like it's hmm. I, um i would i would argue that it is actually oh good yeah <laughs> that's I, good i think there's a very like unnameable there's something like unnamed the mixture of nameable and unnameable together maybe that's another way to put it oh yeah i love that way of thinking about it like, I like that so much, I'm going to write it down. Okay. <laughs> um, like, I was thinking, I was just, like, reminiscing again about that first show of yours I saw. And I felt very, like, I think I even might have asked you if I'm, like, 
like I'm, there's a so there's a black and white American flag piece, which I feel mm. like is a really ballsy move in a way to use the American flag. Like I would, it seems really hard to like to see it anew or something. And then mm-hmm. but then it had the word quack on it, and I remember just like there's something really like interesting and resonant about it but I had no real idea what it meant or I think I asked you what you were like getting at with it and I don't remember exactly what you said but um it feels like it actually reminds me of current political situations now (laughs) yeah it was funny I was well on the day that um we found out that Biden was elected um we were like you know, everybody was kind of out in the streets and it was felt, it was like one of the best and only like real experiences of collective joy that I've had this year. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was so nice, but I was wishing that I had, I had one like test print of that, that I wore um, when I went to the women's March and I was wishing that I had it because, um, you know, at this point, Trump is a lame duck. And yeah, so exactly. it's, like, it's really it, funny to it, me. Yeah, it had like a prescient quality or something. <laughs> yeah, I was like laughing um, about that uh, <laughs> to myself that day. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wait, let's, I want to maybe circle back momentarily to those refrigerators because I'm like yeah. endlessly fascinated with like the... Mm, I don't know living in LA I feel like you're like confronted with the kind of like false bottom of of like Hollywood and all of that and like I'm I just think it's so funny and cool like I can't I mean maybe because I haven't spent enough time there but I'm like I think it's so funny when you like see a celebrity it feels different in LA or more so even just hearing people talk about their agent or their like script or something like just the or seeing like landmarks of it I don't know um oh yeah there's like um I think I think it's I hope I'm remembering I haven't been like around in the city much lately but there's like a you know George Burns way or something like that and the first time I saw that, I was like, laugh. I laughed so hard. Like, because like, you decide to like heroicize. Yeah, like, because George Burns was always like this guy that was on these like Fox movies on Saturday afternoon or something, you know? I really like, I was like into him as a kid. I don't know. I, I saw those like, they're called like, oh god movie like you know, oh yeah oh god you devil yeah. and stuff yeah. yeah I was so into him I, I thought he was so funny which I don't even like looking back I probably had no idea what was going like I feel like all the jokes are like super like force belt or like probably sexual stuff that I had no concept of like I don't know what I liked about it but I guess I just thought it was funny I think like a lot of times he also had like a chimpanzee in, in clothes with okay. him, you know? Yeah. I mean, why not? I know, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, stuff. There's a lot of chimp movies from the 80s like that. There were so many. I, I Yeah, that was a big, that was another weird thing. All of the, like, I mean, the 80s was, was really weird. It was like a really weird time to have your, like, cultural brain formed, you know? Yeah. I agree. Like, 
yeah, there was all these. I wonder if any of these show, like, think of, like, Alf and, like, Small Wonder and, like, Harry and the Hendersons, all of these, like, totally absurd scenarios, a lot of absurd mm -hmm. scenarios, like, or even Mr. Belvedere is pretty absurd, like, they, is it that they inherited <laughs> a butler <laughs> in this suburban home somehow? <laughs> Yeah, I think that's what that was. I think it was an inheritance because I was like, how did he get there? And then you yeah. said that. And, yeah, they weren't rich. They were just like a normal family that somehow had this like sassy British. <laughs> yeah, who like, wasn't like, guys, you know what? This isn't going to work out. Like, yeah. that's what was so amazing is that he just stayed and did it. Right. Basically, yeah, like almost all the shows had some like corny, weird twist like um like you know like who's the boss isn't it also they inherit a maid and that one too like that is and, so tony danza <laughs> well i think that tony danza was responding to an ad oh, for a job an ad, but it was crazy because he was a guy and she was yeah. like a high-powered executive and then like the tables are turned <laughs> yes yeah and the sexual tension was high you know yeah. all it's of that stuff <laughs> yeah yeah all of those shows and there were so many of them sitcom those sitcoms yeah, yeah like, it's almost like none of them were relatable scenarios almost like it was all like kind of like supposed to be normal families but there's something wacky that's like happened to their lives or something yeah definitely yeah, I know. I didn't know anyone in real life who was inheriting a British butler. <laughs> no, nor do I. Yeah. Um, or even anyone that like had a but like hired a butler. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely not. Um. Wait. So, like, is what are some of your like? Is Three's Company is one of your big like? What are your touchstones in for like sitcoms? Sitcoms or films or any that you can, I'd be curious what. I mean, definitely Three's Company. We've actually been watching that um, a lot during the uh, pandemic. John or Jack, you know, John yeah. Ritter as Jack was like the first guy I ever had a crush on. Oh, really? I was like in love with him. And I, and I just called the show Jack, you oh, know, really? I didn't, <laughs> yeah, what, I was like five. I mean, what? he was the, he was the like, of the show well I, I don't know I mean it was an ensemble but he was really what made the show I think well yeah I think a lot of people also watched it for Suzanne Summers, which I didn't really realize as a kid but as, as an adult I'm like oh obviously like right. that was part of it too and that's why she left was because they weren't paying her as much as they were paying John Ritter oh, that's yeah cool. yeah I thought it was really cool of her to do that and then she got her thigh master money. <laughs> exactly. And now she does something else, I feel like. But, like. She's done a lot of, like, cookbooks. I don't know what else she's up to now, though. <laughs> I I feel like there was something with a cruise line. But I don't know. I don't know. I could be making that up, too. What do you. So that also had an absurd scenario of, like, um, well, there were three roommates and they mm -hmm. pretended one of them was gay because they couldn't have a male roommate is that right it was like too taboo I guess in the 70s yeah. and the and the 
the landlord like didn't want any riffraff you know that's always like the thing right and Don Knotts is actually amazing on the show oh also Don and Knotts wife, I don't know her name but they were pretty oh funny. yeah well so Don Knotts is so there was Mr. and Mrs. Roper and that was uh, Mrs. Roper was awesome but then Don Knotts was like a single old guy that just was the landlord they switched off it was like two separate landlord situations well, I'm remembering I was complaining yeah yeah <laughs> I thought so oh was, was that like they were so at Don Knotts was for a while and then like didn't the so the Susan Summers character got replaced too but oh. yeah interesting yeah yeah it's wild thing, like you know that thing of like someone gets replaced and you just like go with it or something like as a viewer like just that rupture in the reality is totally like glossed over oh my god they did that so much well I feel like at least in um three's company it was like a different woman that moved in you oh, know and they like ha they added that to like the narrative and like they had different names and stuff but in you know in Fresh Prince of Bel Air, they just got like a new Aunt Viv, and that was it. Like they they never like talked about it really, and it was like, oh, this is a different person now. Didn't that happen on Roseanne too? The daughter, I can't remember exactly, but I feel like one of the daughters was replaced, unless they said it was like a cousin or something. I I don't know. On Fresh Prince? No, no, on Roseanne. Oh, on Roseanne, yes, Becky. Yeah. Yeah, Becky. Yeah. See, this is like I why it's like I know all this stuff. It's so it's just like film. <laughs> but I think it's so it's dumb. So, I don't know. There's something really psychologically interesting and relevant or I don't know. Like you feel like there's a direct lineage between the show and your work, or does it more just infuse your kind of upbringing or <laughs> your like a worldview or something? Well, I mean, I think all of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there is like a connection to my to my work. I mean, when I started making those uh huh photographs, I was it was sort of like a more it to me. I felt like that was when I first started like really directly having more humor in my work mm -hmm. like in a, in a more direct way and um I was in I was looking at some like threes company stuff during that time and, and there was like a lot of prop comedy in it mm -hmm. and so I felt I was like oh this is an interesting connection and then also like the color palette of a lot of those shows was really similar in a lot of ways to the, a lot of the colors that I use like these sort of pale beigey tones and then like something that's really bright that's sort of standing out on top of that yeah um like golden girls is like that and three's company is like that and um I feel like with both of those like the set is almost like another character like it's so specific and like I can picture all the hijinks happening with that like um kitchen door that's like it's like yeah you call it it's just on a it's like doesn't have a I don't know what, what do you call that it's almost like a saloon it's like door. just like a swinging door and yeah. they both a lot of those sitcoms always had that and it was always like on the right hand side and <laughs> they would just come in and out but there was always a door there which I thought was so interesting because you know in I never we never had doors to the kitchen no it's very 
it's very unnecessary, but it's very funny, actually. Like, it's very vaudevillian or something. Like, oh, yeah. Like, hiding in the kitchen and someone's there and they shouldn't know that Jack is there or something like that. Or Yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. There's this one really great scene where Jack is, like, um, he's baking and he's wearing this apron that's like you remember those aprons that are like women's bodies like in a bikini oh, yeah. or something like that and he's wearing one of those and it's I love it it's ridiculous I feel like yeah like do you I remember wearing an apron like in the kitchen when I was a kid like we would wear aprons I don't I feel like that went out of style in the mid 80s maybe yeah I I definitely did when I was a kid I was always like part of the ritual or something like yeah. if I was gonna like go into the kitchen and bake something with my mom or something I wanted to do that because and I felt like it was like part of the cost like the, the uniform or the costume or whatever that you wear for that but it's weird because like now forget it I would never yeah, wear actually a good idea in a way because I do spill things on myself a lot yeah yeah <laughs> Totally. Um, I guess I just like always spill stuff on myself anyway. So I'm like, what's another? <laughs> thing? Um, did you like, did you consider buying any of those like false refrigerators or was that a, a high ticket item? They, I don't think they were that expensive. I didn't actually know how much they were, but I didn't really want the refrigerator itself. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was just excited about like what it made me like start to think about because I was also thinking about when I when I was like specifically thinking like of women looking in the refrigerator I was sort of interested in like what are like there would that there might be some kind of like typology involved in that like mm. what like what's happened before and what's happening after you know it's always this sort of like thinking about the emotions of the character when like when they're going to the refrigerator you know yeah. and how like women are what female characters you know until very recently were pretty um you know in popular movies pretty like one one dimensional in their um yeah. in their emotional selves just because that's how like you know hollywood was creating them but um yeah, so like that, all of that stuff, like when I saw it, was like all came into my head when I saw this like refrigerator with the back cut out of yeah. it, you know? I feel like when you said it, it kind of had, I had a like mind blown moment of just like, whoa, like you just don't think about that. <laughs> but when you were saying that, it made me think of like, it does feel like an existential moment. It's like a search, like often I feel like the woman that's not, cooking or trying to eat necessarily like she might just be kind of looking for fulfillment or something like it's like and not even taking anything out of it yeah exactly and it, it's so much about like a, a certain kind of desire yeah um, and that was really really interesting to me to like think about what that was and that that's how it would be depicted um there's a really good one where from um the movie bridesmaids and um, it's Kristen Wiig and she's at like a convenience store refrigerator mm -hmm. and she's pulling out like a, what looks like a sports drink, but it says like, there's all these different colors of it. And the color that she's pulling out is it says calm on it. Like it's supposed to be like, 
calm waters. I forgot about those. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think that's interesting too, like the the sort of the refrigerator as like, I mean, yeah, we keep like food, like fruits and vegetables in there, but there's also like a lot of product. Yeah. You know? And like, I've always, I'm always sort of interested in like advertising and products and all of that yeah. vocabulary of that. Totally. That makes me think of, that reminded me of, I don't think it has like a, a door opening, but it made me, there isn't there like a, I think there's a convenience store scene in Reality Bites with like. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember what happens, but it seems like maybe they're, are they like dancing or something maybe? Yeah, they start dancing. I just recently watched that actually thinking that there might be like a, like a point of view shot, but there wasn't really anything quite right, which I was bummed about. But um, yeah, it's because Winona Ryder's character, like when they gr- graduate from college, her dad gives them, gives her a gas card. And then so oh, they, they go to the gas station and then there's like buy all this stuff. And then I think like the guy at the counter says something like goofy to them. And then they all start dancing to my Sharona. Right. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Winona has great hair in that movie. Oh yeah. She totally does. I was really obsessed with her in that movie when I was younger. Um, like when I was in high school, but then rewatching it, I was way more into Janine Garofalo. Janine is awesome. Yeah. yeah I was going to ask if, if it held up as like I feel like it was it was positioned as like being super like real and candid or something and like about like a woman in the 90s or something yeah yeah it was supposed to be like generation defining or something I think um which is weird because it's also sort of about someone making a movie that's supposed to be generation defining but um I don't know I I actually thought like when I rewatched it recently, I thought her character, Winona Ryder's character was really annoying yeah. in it. And then Ethan Hawke was like ho- horrible, like just this like totally emotionally stunted kind of disaffected man. And I was like, oh my God, this is a bad example. I could see that. I feel like, I feel like there was that and like singles and stuff, which I don't, which I remember being very excited to see, but I feel like even then, I think I thought was pretty corny. Yeah, singles. Yeah, yeah. I would watch that again, though. That's yeah, something I have like, been wanting to watch again. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I love all of the stuff. No, in some ways, it's like now that it doesn't matter whether it's authentic or not, like you can just enjoy it for what it is. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yes. For the, yeah. for the most part. I mean, some things I think have aged so poorly that I that I actually have a hard time watching them but um you know reality bites is just sort of like an interesting glimpse back yeah at that time oh yeah it was also make me think of uh the moment in Wayne's world when he like they like do product placement but they like make a joke of it which I thought was really I don't think I knew what product placement was before that or at least not I think maybe I was just becoming aware of it but that was actually pretty interesting film moment yeah I mean I love Wayne's World that movie is (laughs) I think that movie is totally brilliant but um and um I also just really like Penelope Spears but the uh, 
Yeah, the product placement in that, I definitely didn't know what that was before I saw Wayne's World. And then I was like, oh, what is this? And I'm like hyper aware of it. Like I'm always like, I don't know. I feel like I have an eye for it or something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I feel like there was something too in the 80s on a lot of those sitcoms. Did you ever notice how um, if there were, like I noticed this on Golden Girls, but like that they would block out labels a lot of times. No, on certain I things. Think I, I don't think I noticed that. Yeah, this is this is like what I think about. But the, they like there's this one scene in the Golden Girls where like they go to the grocery store and like all of the Reynolds wrap just it has like some of the like, you. It's pretty obvious like the painted over letters just so it doesn't say Reynolds. Does but it's nothing, or does it um? It, does it have another word, or is it just a block of color? I feel like maybe they tried to make it into another word, but um, yeah, it's a, it's just a strange thing. And then it's weird to see it repeated because there's just kind of like this weird negative space like on the shelves, but yeah. Yeah. And I think some of my friends who do like prop stuff have had to cover labels and things like that before. If you don't have like the rights to it or something, I don't know. I don't, I actually have no idea how that works, but yeah, I know that it happens. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I remember, I feel like in the 90s when they start to, like, blur out stuff on people's mm -hmm. clothing and stuff. Like, oh, right, because that's when people started wearing all those labels. Yeah, but it would be super obvious, kind of, because it was all pixelated. Yeah, like their Tommy Hilfiger shirts. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> on, like, cribs or something. <laughs> so um, funny. Yeah. Well, maybe just to close out or finish the uh film talk portion yeah <laughs> um, I just was thinking a video prior to the other one which I, I'm not sure the name of but there was she did another one with a girl um was she reading a part uh, reading a, a book about the doors not a monologue but about the doors is that right yeah, so she was she was she wrote and read this um, sort of like book report about that book, uh, "No One Here Gets Out Alive," which was Jim Morrison's biography. Um, and so she's like reading it in this uh, elementary school auditorium, or I think it was supposed to be middle school, but we were actually shooting it in an elementary school. Um, and yeah, that was like the first sort of sort of cinematic video piece that I made. And it was based on that when I was in eighth grade, I did the same thing. I did this like book report about that. We got to pick a book to do a book, uh, like an oral book report about. And I was totally obsessed with Jim Morrison at the time, um, which is really embarrassing, but also yeah. funny. And um, I don't think I knew that piece of info. <laughs> Oh, that it was like somewhat autobiographical. Yeah, yeah, I like it that. was. So it's kind of a reenactment. Yeah, and I think that's a really good word, and that was an a word that I would also sort of use when I would um when I talked about like my early photo work too, like these these sort of like a lot of that work started with these like specific memories that I had, and then I kind of reenacted them with other people or in like slightly different ways or like with weird art historical references and things like that so yeah another 
I feel like another weird, um, kind of awkward film trope, I guess, which is in, which is very interesting because it almost never feels right. Like I feel like you can really tell when something is a reenactment because it's like kind of phoned in or something. Oh yeah, like when they used to do. Did you ever watch Rescue Nine One One? Yes. Yeah, those were always like weird. It was always like this is a dramatic reenactment. That kind of thing. Like a weird, like low angle or something. Like it would just, it would have this flavor of like this is fake to it. Yes, it really, it really did. Um, Which I think is also true of um, this is my own obsession, but um, Oliver Stone's The Doors is like extremely fake, but I love it for that. Like it's so silly and campy. and there, and just because we're almost at Thanksgiving, there's an amazing Thanksgiving scene where they like take acid and someone like throws a turkey at someone else. <laughs> oh my God, I forgot about that. That was also in my list of things I was obsessed with in eighth grade. Oh. Um, at that, at, well, because at that time when I was obsessed with Jim Morrison, I was like into that movie and it had just come out, I think. Yeah. Like, right, it was like the early 90s. But I, wait, is that the one when like there, when he, when Jim Morrison ends up like, or Val Kilmer as Jim Morrison. He's like on all fours, like crawling around. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like you might do that in a few scenes. But, yeah. <laughs> um, I, so. I don't know. It's just like this, like they're in like wherever they are in someone's bungalow in LA. And it's like this hippie Thanksgiving and they all took acid and it just goes like off the rails. And that's like really <laughs> <silly> way. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. I forget that, but I would like, I'm going to watch rewatch that scene before Thanksgiving. I'll yeah. put it in the show notes also in case. Oh, good. <laughs> Important viewing, I feel. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, hmm. Well, I wanted, we could go in two different directions. One thing I wanted to talk about was like your early days at like Black Dragon Society. And I want to talk about your new work because it's like right there and stuff. Would you have like a specific question about those old days? I guess just as someone who was like coming to LA occasionally. um, And I think I remember you telling me you were the only woman artist in that crew or in that gallery and um, just it, from my outside perspective, it was just like, it seemed like the coolest gallery or one of the coolest galleries and like, and, um, yeah, I don't know. Just curious about that moment and what it was like being the only woman in that scene or something. Well, there were like, there were other women who had shown there also, but I feel like, um, at, a lot of the events I would be one like the only woman that was related to the gallery there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was definitely like a strange time. And I was also very young mm-hmm. um, when that was all happening. So it just, it was a um, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. Um, were you showing like photo based work at that time or what, what kind of stuff were you showing? Yeah, I showed the those oval photographs okay, there. Yeah. Um it was it was a wild time in a yeah. lot of ways. It was it was, seemed a little uh things felt a lot more um like 
I mean, there's no laws really, but it did feel somewhat like lawless or yeah. something. <laughs> but it, uh, it feels that kind of. I was just—it's such a moment. Like I don't, I don't know. It's like there was lots of like skateboarders and like I don't know. It's just an. It's like one of the. It feels like a time capsule or something. And I d- I think it it was a time capsule. I mean, it was so long ago now. You know, I it's it's strange to me that that time was. Cause that was like right when I got out of grad school in like 2004 and it's just weird to me that now that's like a really long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, it was just kind of a wild time and I didn't have like, you know, when other galleries where I've shown, um, you know, I've, I've known, like I've had closer relationships with the other artists and things like that. Mm, so you were just meeting people there kind of, for the first time or something. Yeah, yeah. And it was like a short um I don't think I was there. I mean, I think they closed in 2008. Okay. And um my first show there was in 2005. So it was like a short um run of things, you know. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't really a lot of time. Mm-hmm. I kind of miss like it would be fun to be a time traveler to there for like a couple of days or something it would be really strange to do that yeah like with just I mean it's so much everything is so different now and and I'm glad about that in a lot of ways yeah Um, although there was I mean it was very it felt very youthful or something like it was like all these young people like having kind of their first success and stuff and it Mm -hmm. feel like it was such a specific kind of aesthetic too of like kind of raw and like punky and like I don't know yes it it had it definitely had that I mean it was really a lot of mostly painting too I think Mm -hmm. um there was I made uh you know photos and then Rye Rockland was making sculpture and I'm, I, and it's been a long time since I thought about it, but I feel like mostly, uh, most other people were making paintings there. Yeah. Anyway, I don't have a lot to yeah. say about it, but I just, yeah. just a, I just remember visiting and thinking that was like the coolest gallery and stuff. And, and just all, it was all this cluster of little galleries too. Like it was, it was a totally different neighborhood than it, like, it doesn't feel like there's that many galleries there anymore, right? Or yeah, in Chinatown, there there are a few still that are there, but it definitely it was it was kind of like, I mean, I remember the night that um, my show opened there, and it was just like full of people, like the all the streets were just full of people, and it felt, and I didn't really know any of them, so it was you know it was just like everyone was kind of coming out because that's where people went and that was really cool that was fun I feel like LA would do this thing that New York didn't really do although maybe now they're starting to do it currently but like coordinate a neighborhood so they would all open at the same time which is so much smarter like then you just go around and you don't have to go out every single night to openings and yeah it seemed like that used to be more of a thing I mean it's it's strange because like once I moved back, you know, I was only here for like eight months and then we sort of stopped going to openings. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
it feels more, it did, it felt to me now, like things are more spread out now. Yeah. There's more galleries now. Um, so it yeah, didn't feel so kind of as coordinated. There. Yeah, there's so many. Does it kind of amazing. Like there's any sense, like in LA, earlier times there were like, there was like Chinatown and then later there was Culver City and now it's just all over the map and stuff. So it's like more like New York where you can just, you can only do pockets of it at a certain time. Yeah. And then you have to drive, which like, yeah. you know, adds the whole other part of it. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, maybe we can move into your more recent stuff. Sure. Um, what's this lady with the pencil? Is that? Oh, yeah. This eyeball. Yeah. So this is um an avon ad from 1992 and i just it's kind of a thing that i've been thinking about for a long time like an image she's like erasing she's very young anyway but she's yeah. like erasing her um like lines like with yeah. a pencil eraser around her eyes and um i i love this picture mm -hmm. uh i think it's like so you know, surreal and sort of strange. And, and then also it ties in with my, like, you know, with, with my new work, um, you know, these sort of like fragmented bodies that I've been working with more. Um, and my idea with this is that I want to print it on leather. Mm, um, yeah. So we're going to say about that. Just that's interesting. Like, I feel like you're, you're so we kind of touched on it earlier, but like you're moving, you're taking images into three dimensions now, or even just making objects. Um, and there's like these weird like ruptures or or uncanny kind of juxtapositions. Um, yeah, it's where the body, like to print the body on like a piece of dead body is yeah. Really <laughs> <laughs> yeah that because I've I have had this up for a long time and it came out of a magazine and um yeah I was thinking like I was trying to think if I should like keep it um you know in conversation with its with its source right like making it in like to a poster or you know something that would be referential to the like the magazine format but that never really kind of resonated with me and then I was thinking about it more as like what it's a picture of and it's of skin. And so like, maybe I should put it on something that um, relates to that, like physically more. It seems like you're exploring like different ways of displaying these things too, that are not necessarily just like flat or, mm -hmm. I don't know. Like I'm looking at these, um, toilet paper rolls and toilet paper paintings that are on literal like I don't know what you, toilet paper holders I guess or yeah <laughs> or mm, towel I don't know yeah well yeah they're actually they're on towel bars because the toilet paper ones are too small to hold more than one yeah <laughs> and they're usually like multi-paneled so um yeah I've been having a real uh ball looking for different toilet or towel bars yeah. that that these can go on I want to actually show you this one hold on I'll be I'm okay. just gonna go right over here but um 
yeah, it's been really, really fun to, to look for them. And then they have to be sort of like, sort of adjustable in a way because I, you know, some towel bars will come and they'll just be one piece because you're just going to put like a towel over it. But if I'm going to put the, you know, the toilet paper rolls on it, they have, it has to be able to come apart. So I just got this one that is like, that I'm very excited about. Oh, that is, <laughs> it's a like road, like relief kind of date. Yeah. Bar. <laughs> That's really beautiful. <laughs> I feel like this looks like something that would be like in a Barbie house, mm. but is like life size. Yeah. It's pretty nuts. Um, so that one was, that was an exciting find, but it's been hard to find other ones. Cause I don't want just like, I I'm looking for ones that have a lot of color in them and, you know, mostly things for people's bathrooms are like Chrome or brass or, you know, just really kind of, things that are meant to go kind of in the background yeah that one the one you just showed remind me a bit of like I could see Blanche from Golden Girls having that also. <laughs> totally <laughs> which is very something that I love yeah <laughs> I mean I was thinking like you would never it seems like you're invested in finding it not making it right like you're kind of into the ready-made I do love the ready-made although I have also thought of ways to try to think about making them because there's like like there's this one that I'm working on right now that's like five across and it's like I like see how this one over here is like the like ombre kind of thing on it so it's like five rolls of toilet paper that are all like that kind of in a, next to each other um and I've been thinking about how to hang those and kind of wanting something that might be a little bit more custom um made so not not something that like I would necessarily make, but like if there would be a place that, you know, makes like metal um, towel racks or something like that, and then they would make one specifically for this. Right. Um, yeah, well, I, I'm looking, it's interesting, the group, it's like, I was thinking you could call that one with three on it, three's company or something. Oh, that's funny. But like, I'm thinking about a couple of things. Like, I want to know more about, like, why the grouping of them, but then if it's, like, just to have more area to kind of draw or paint on. And then also, it. I'm wondering if this is the for like, you mentioned you made, you used to make a lot of drawings, which I didn't realize. Although, now that I'm thinking, I can remember some different kind of collage and things over the years. But is this the first time you're kind of, like, making your own image on an object in the sense of like with your hand um since a while yeah I think so I mean there was a photo that I made in like 2012 I think um where I made like a spirograph drawing and that was like the backdrop for it um mm -hmm. for the for the I photographed the snake and so it was on this backdrop but that I made but um and I think sometimes I would do like little doodles and things like that but nothing like where it was really where I I, I think I really like the way that you said it where I was like using my hand to put an image on an object and I haven't done that in a very 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 long time and it um it feels great it's really fun yeah. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm really enjoying it 
cool. It's an interesting like turn of events. <laughs> yeah. And I'm using like photographs as the basis for part of it because like so like in the one that's behind me, um, which was the first toilet paper drawing that I made, the the lips that are on the sun are like a temporary tattoo. So mm -hmm. like all the other stuff I drew in like with my hands, but then that I put on as a tattoo and then I painted over it. Oh, that's cool. And, and it's so it's landscape. It's kind of a seascape with the sunrise and the lips on the sunrise. Yeah. Um, and that's like like the other one that you've seen with the noses, like those are all photographs of my nose, and then I printed tattoos. And then on this other one, I'm gonna put these tattoos of ears. Um and I'm gonna figure out what to do with it. Once I figured out this like ombre thing, I was really excited, but it's like how to put the image on that then has been like a whole nother thing to sort of figure out. It's taken me a little while. Pastel or something? How did you color the paper? It's like uh the it's ink and it's watered down and in these sprayers that are like really fine mist. And because you know. Toilet paper is really absorbent, so it just kind of like sucked it right in there. Crazy. But, I think it would like shrivel up a bit or something, but it seems to not have. Yeah, no, it's like weirdly uh, durable. I've been surprised at how much I've been able to put it through with <laughs> different things. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am getting this like one kind that is that is kind of nice. So. Juliana's painting on toilet paper rolls in case that was not clear so far. I think we said it, but, and you started these before the pandemic. Yes. Then maybe it's a bit, I, even though, yeah. So there's like, it wasn't in response to the hoarding of toilet paper, but. Um. No. <laughs> when that happened, I was actually like, oh no. Right. <laughs> because I was like, I don't want to like have this be part of it, but. You yeah. gotta just, I mean, I feel like when you work with things from the world, like s s as directly as I do, you sometimes you just have to like go with it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like maybe when we first started talking about them, I was like, oh, well that's inescapable now, but now I don't, I feel like who cares or I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't seem important now. Like, yeah, that was like a flash. Yeah, like now I'm more thinking about like, I don't know. I mean, it feels like you're partly highlighting just the like the objectness of it, like this roll with this kind of like trailing arm that comes off of it and the delicacy of it. And then thinking about how you like shove it in your butthole and stuff. <laughs> That's part of it. I mean, I guess I, I was so I sort of like got really fascinated with the toilet paper as a material like a few years ago, there's this um, Paul Outerbridge photograph of this hand, um, this like beautiful hand holding like this piece of toilet paper and it's on this blue background and there's all of these like red roses around it. And I was really like fascinated with that. This is, and this is like a long time ago. And then I, I tried to photograph toilet paper, but it's, I, I could never like really, translate like the materiality of it in the way that I wanted to into a photograph um so then I, that I'm remembering a photo of yours with the hand trailing a white like something is that toilet paper also well 
Oh no, that one was the that was a handkerchief. Oh, okay. a white handkerchief. Oh, it's toilet paper, but no. But I did also do this one of like with like this. It was gonna be like this long, like multi-paneled image, and it had like this toilet paper flowing across it, and then there was like a smashed tomato on the wall, like you know when they would like throw a tomato at the bad comedian or whatever. Um, and then the hand was coming in and like wiping it up, but but I never really. I don't know. I guess that one was okay, but I don't know. You know when you just like do something and then you're like, eh, yeah, not that one. Yeah, that was sort of how I felt about that. Um, so anyway, then I, but like I couldn't really like shake my my interest with it, and then I started doing these drawings, and that felt felt really good. But yeah, the delicacy of it and the the sort of like ephemerality of it and um, are really interesting to me. And I think the reason I'm doing them like multi-paneled is because most of them so far have been sort of like landscapes mm -hmm. so it's more, um, more to have a horizontal it's like super vertical but you're turning it into like a landscape orientation that's funny yeah yeah exactly yeah more than like thinking about several butts in one place or something <laughs> right exactly <laughs> <laughs> But it is funny to, it's like the idea of translating what is usually a singular experience into something that's more ensemble or. Yeah, it's usually like a singular disposable experience. Yeah. Now it's like this thing that is, you know, all these panels and it's kind of this material and, um, and it's like a surface for making an image. Yeah, it also takes something that is like almost entirely private and turning it into like a public display situation. Yeah. Which is yeah, I like that way of thinking about it too. Yeah. Where do these, where do you think the like landscape, like I feel like, so there's like several, there's like the material of the toilet paper, there's like the fact that there seems to be happening a lot of like multiple roles to create the image and then there's like the image itself which yeah I'm curious if you have any ideas about where those come from or yeah well yeah I mean when I made um drawings a long time ago they were always like these sort of like hands and arms like disembodied in a way like doing different things um it, a lot of a lot of sort of body fragment stuff um and then I just sort of stopped doing that at some point and I mean I've been working just like pretty in, in terms of the image pretty intuitively on these I think it's just like my brain's like picking that back up and like starting that again like that that body fragmentation that I was interested in um and you know thinking about like all of the body parts that I've that I've used are like kind of sensory, you know, like lips and noses and ears. You know, I I'm interested in in that in relationship to the toilet paper as like this soft kind of thing that goes on your body in some way. Um so. I feel like there's a bit like cartoon reality feeling too. Like the way you're creating the image feels very um yeah, in the imaginary, I guess you could say. 
Yeah. I mean, I think that's just the way that I draw things is always like, I mean, I like draw like a child or something. So it's, it looks like that. Um, but I like that. Like it feels like this, I don't know. It seems like it, it's like the ideal or I don't know. It kind of, like I was saying about the, it's like the idea of a place rather than a specific place or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's important to me. I've I was trying on this one over here. I kept trying to make these like little like I was trying to make like a little wheat field at the bottom and I was drawing all these um these like individual strands of wheat and it was very specific and it kept, I was like, this isn't right. Like it just kept really not being right. And then I did this one where like, I just did these sort of, you know, like, uh, what was what that shape be? It's just sort of like a right angle. And then like the long part is longer than the short part. I don't know, <laughs> but I, it's like, um, like an upside down L. Okay. I oh. just drew that. Mm, like over when, and over again what yeah like it makes me think of like the way in like certain time like I feel like 70s and 80s like a bird would be like this v shape and stuff yeah <laughs> I like love that yeah. and and it's weirdly how like my body or no, my bo I guess it is my body and my mind like are translating it you know <laughs> that's yeah which then it's like it, there's Oh, I think it's called Marushka. Do you know those things? Marushka? It's like a, it was like a very popular kind of like prefab, like wall decor, but it would have this big like signature that said Marushka on it, but it'll be like a super oh. like stylized landscape or something. Wait, are those, are those Marushka things like, were they just sort of like a, like a piece of cotton and they had like almost like dye or like. Yeah. It was almost infused into the cotton in some way. Yeah. It was like a printed thing or that looks dyed kind of, but it was like, yeah, like stretched like a canvas. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. I might look into those. I feel like. Um, <laughs> I think that's a good idea to look into real, those. a real moment. I don't know. I feel like actually even I could imagine them having one in like these company world or something. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. They have that amazing. Um, they have this like butterfly in their living room on the wall that says like life and it's like a woman's body in the middle I think it's <laughs> awesome it's cool. very like nouveau in a lot of ways yeah. that would be cool if you recreated that on some level I would like to see that image translated yeah. in your mind I went over to someone's house once this is like a over 10 years ago and they had that in their kitchen and I was like this was before it was well, must have been over 10 years ago because it was like before streaming on Netflix and stuff like that so I was like oh my god that's from Three's Company and they were like how how did you know that <laughs> it was really awesome to see it like completely was arresting to me but yeah that would be a very cool thing to kind of re recreate in some way yeah it was awesome like that and then I, I don't know, like the absurdity of Jack and then I, all of that together would be very cool. Like to distill it or I don't know, like no one has to know even that it's from there, but it's just a funny like thing. 
Yes, it is. It's hilarious. I mean, a lot of that stuff is. And I like, I like what you said too. Like, I think a lot of times, um, I do put all those, these weird, all of this weird stuff that's like in my mind, it like goes into my work, but it's not maybe like, it's there in its own way at the end, but it's not the most obvious. Yeah, of it. it's not even maybe important exactly where it came from. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, well, maybe just one more. I was just thinking something we didn't touch on, but I had written in my little note thing. Um, like I feel like Riot Girl stuff seems like it was a big like uh inspiration in some way. Um, yeah, I don't know. Any thoughts you had about that or how it maybe informed you? Yeah, I I love, I mean, I was like majorly into that when I was in high school and it was so interesting. I had just never heard women like speak that way before. And it felt, it felt so deeply resonant with me. Um, I had been like into punk stuff, but I definitely felt like that was for boys or something like, and then the boys that were into it just were not really fun to hang out with. And so <laughs> I was like, well, I want a space like in this world where things made more sense to me. And um, and then I went with some friends. We went into, because I grew up in the suburbs of DC. We went into Georgetown and I just bought this Bikini Kill record and I put it on when I got home. And and I was like, I, I like thought it, it sounded like, how can I say this but like in, the, in a way I'm going to sound like a little nuts saying this but also like it's I, I felt like it was I was it was like almost my voice or something like that like it hit me so hard that it I was like am I talking to myself like is that my voice on there and then I was like no that's like someone else and they're actually having those thoughts and I couldn't yeah I kind of couldn't believe it um and then I was, and then I just tried to find out more and more. And it was, you know, kind of before the internet. So right. it was much more of a journey to find out, you know, about like things that were not part of like mainstream culture. Yeah, totally. That's what I was thinking. Like, these kids don't know. You had to like yeah. dig around and like talk to people and like ask the record store guy for like recommendations and stuff like or be like yeah. lucky enough to even have a record store and stuff like that yeah you had yeah, to like go really, places yeah you had to go places <laughs> yeah that idea of you had to like send away for shit in the mail oh yeah self-addressed stamped envelope <laughs> Um, yeah, so that, like, to feel like there was someone out there that was so much like you would be so much more of a revelation. Yeah, I I agree. And it's weird, because I feel like, I mean, I work with younger students, I, you know, my, a lot of the students that I have are kind of like in middle school. And um, I've had these conversations with them where they don't, they don't really, I mean, right now, of course, they don't really leave the house. But, you know, even before the pandemic, like they they don't go out as much into the world as, as we did. And, but then they also talk about feeling more, um, 
more isolated. So it's a kind of a funny, um, it's a funny like dichotomy, right? They have access to all these things, but then there's also this feeling of isolation and they don't want to go out, but then they feel isolated. You know, it's like a catch 22 or something like that. Yeah, totally. I'm, I feel that. I mean, yeah, it's like the internet was supposed to be this like utopian thing. And it is in some ways, I mean, the amount of information we have access to for free is like, insane but yeah it didn't connect us in the way that people it only connect us in a very kind of superficial way yeah yeah exactly um like superficial or like you know in a way that would benefit like capitalism right like you can shop and all that stuff so Yeah. yeah and it did I think I mean I feel like so yeah I don't know when people were doing their thing at that time it was exciting and it did feel somehow really different than like I mean especially if you think about the kind of 80s and the artificiality of it it, like this stuff kind of was so different than that like they were forefronting like doing it yourself and all this Mm -hmm. stuff which was yeah interesting yeah that was very exciting to me. I didn't know how to do it myself, but I really like wanted to, you know? <laughs> yeah. Did you ever make a zine or or were you into that part of it or not so much? Not as much. I like tried to, but I didn't really, I don't know. I didn't, I just never did. I, I had like all of the, um, I remember like cutting out a bunch of stuff and like putting it together and then never like actually making the thing. I mean, that was also like a lot of things that I did in high school were kind of half-assed in that way. <laughs> I was pretty like, I, it was hard for me to be focused when I was younger. And then um, once I got to college and I was like, oh, I can like just make art. A lot of things fell into place like in my mind and I had different, you know, I had a much different relationship to school when I was in college than I did in high school. I was like very excited about it Yeah. Um, in college. And then when I was in high school, I was sort of, you know, I didn't take it as seriously as I could have. Mm-hmm. Was it hard to, um, was it like a big deal for you to decide to go study art or like how did, how was that received by your parents and stuff? Um, my parents are like pretty supportive. Uh, so they didn't, I mean, I think like later they told me that they had a meeting with like the, the college counselor at my high school to, to like talk to them about the fact that I had wanted to go and study art. Um, and, but they didn't, I didn't know that, (laughs) that they were doing that. Um, and they were, they just, I was like, this is what I want to do. And they were like, okay. Um, yeah, they're pretty um they're pretty great in that way. Like if if you know, I was I think I probably threw a lot of curveballs at them that they that they didn't expect. And um you know, in instead of kind of just reacting, they would like try to like educate themselves about whatever it is, this thing, like this weird thing that I wanted to do and then they would usually were pretty understanding and like accommodating. So cool. 
yeah, it's really nice. I'm very lucky in that way, you know, so. You always know you wanted to be an artist also? No, I didn't. Um, I When I was in high school, I think I, I sort of like started to be more interested in those things. Um, I knew I like, I really like learning stuff yeah. and like, like intellectually like exploring things. And um, so I think I would, but I wasn't one of those kids who was just like always in their sketchbook and like always drawing or like always had the camera. Like I was, I was not that person at all. I needed like a little bit more, um, there wasn't, I loved my high school art teacher, but there was like not a lot of structure or instruction in our class. Um, and so I wanted to like learn, like I learned how to draw. Like I didn't just like, I wasn't like born knowing how to draw or something. Um, and I found the process of learning to draw like really fascinating, but um, I, yeah. So I, I don't think I just, I, th I think I knew I was like interested in art when I was in high school. And then I knew I wanted to like, learn more about it. And that's why I decided to go to art school for college. Um, and, and then once I was there, I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. Yeah. That's like, I would say similar to me. Like, I don't feel like it was very pure. Like I was too kind of naive to know about like getting a job or something. I just knew that I liked art and I wanted to like learn more about it and be like yeah, constant art in the city and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I knew I definitely wanted to be in a city. Like I was always going, I mean, not that DC is some sort of metropolis, but you know, it was the closest thing that I had. And I, when I was in high school and I would always be like going in there on the weekends to shows and things. And then um, I really liked Richmond. I'd been down there a few times when I was in high school and I was like, oh, this is cool. And yeah, so. That's sort of how it all, how it all began. And then that was like such an incredible program at VCU. Mm. It was awesome. That's funny. I didn't realize you had gone to sculpt, you have, I have a, my undergrad degree in sculpture also. Oh, funny. That makes sense. And did you learn how to take photos there too? Or was that later in like grad school? That was later in grad school. I didn't, I like didn't know anything about photography at all when I went to grad school. Um, and in fact, like all of the sort of technical parts of photography were really like enigmatic to me. Like that's kind of why I never got into it is because I was, I'd done like at summer camp in like middle school, a dark room thing. And I was like, this is officially really confusing for me. And, and I just sort of like avoided it because all the like flipping and then the numbers and um, but then when I was in grad school, I, I didn't know about like large format photography. And when someone showed me that kind of camera and explained that to me, then it made sense. Then I was like, oh, okay. There was something about like a 35 millimeter camera where like the, the fact that it came through the lens and then the mirror like reflected it up to the viewfinder confused me so much. I was just like, where does the picture go? Like, I don't know. <laughs> and, um, but and then like, with a large, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you know, with large format, you you it comes right through. Like, there's a, it's just like so much more direct. And I was like, oh, 
this makes so much sense. And then you get to look at the picture. It's like really big. It's like the size that it's going to be on the film. And it's so like beautiful, I think, looking through the ground glass. So that that kind of really, that was a real like through the rabbit hole moment for me the first time I got to use a large format camera. It was pretty exciting. Mm, that's cool. That makes sense to me too. Like I was very resistant to anything that wasn't super like, direct and that like I didn't understand why you would want to put in all these other steps between like you and the finished thing like yeah totally um yeah and I also was just it just seemed like so much uh so much technical stuff you know yeah but then, for some reason later then that stuff just sort of it just sort of made sense yeah. and I think I, I mean I figured a lot of it out on my own I had some help from like this one professor who was really awesome and helpful to me. Um, but I, I just like messed up a lot also and got there that way. Yeah. Maybe there's a kind of influence of Riot Girl there in a way or punk or something of like, it's really not like who, who cares about the technical, like you figure it out, but the emphasis is more on like what you have to say or the directness of the image or something. Yeah, definitely. Or like the the ethos of like, I don't know how to do this, but I'm just going to do it anyway. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that is the thing. That is, a, I think that was a huge takeaway from Riot Girl for me. And that's something that I still do, you know. I still feel like I don't know how to do anything, but I'm just like doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>